Why am I a scapegoat in my family? Is a question you may be asking. And in relationships, particularly those involving narcissists, empaths often find themselves in the role of the scapegoat. This dynamic is rooted in the narcissist's need to shift blame and avoid accountability for their actions. And this is what we're diving into today's video episode. Welcome back to the Empath and Narcissist podcast, where we are helping empaths reclaim their power back after narcissistic abuse through spiritual practices and human design. Don't forget to support this podcast by writing a review and sharing this with a friend. Subscribe for more empath spiritual healing from narcissistic abuse. So let's start with some basics. What is scapegoating? Scapegoating is a method and it could be done consciously or subconsciously. A family scapegoat is a kind of family projection that occurs when a person places responsibility for unresolved problems on a child, a sibling, or another family member. It is easier to family members to place blame on the scapegoat rather than take responsibility for their actions and mistakes. This is extremely harmful to the scapegoat and to the entire family unit because when one part of the family suffers, all of the other parts suffer too. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional help. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Narcissists can drive you into such a mentally exhausted and deep depressive state that you can start to develop unhealthy coping mechanisms. I've been there. I tried to drown myself in alcohol. And when I left my narcissist, I found talk therapy to be extremely beneficial for me to process and identify that I was being abused. If you are having any thoughts of self-harm or life is meaningless, then I strongly recommend that you reach out for help and speak to a professional. This is why I specifically chose, out of all the sponsors, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. It allows you to talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. Finding a therapist is easy. Just fill out the questionnaire to help assess your specific needs. And then you are matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Everything Yushi. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash empath. The link is in the show notes. It becomes an avalanche. Things topple and fall and fail one interaction after another. And it may be held under the rug for quite some time. And then when one person, especially the empath, draws a boundary, doesn't tolerate it anymore, or is trying to get to the root of the problem that keeps recurring in the relationships, then the volcano blows up. And everything gets unearthed, and it's not fun. So this condition of the narcissist to shift blame and to avoid accountability for their actions conditions empathic children. This kind of starts at the root to be hypervigilant, to pay attention, to anticipate others' moods for their own safety. Because that hypervigilance helps them survive. But it carries on because it becomes a habit in adulthood, in life, and maybe that child transitions into a relationship with a narcissist, and therefore, hypervigilance remains. 
And it's not fair for this empath to always be hypervigilant. That means that they're always in fight or flight mode and their nervous system is shot. So growing up in an environment where being tuned into other people's moods that was necessary for your survival can deeply impact your psyche as an empath. So, so this survival dynamic or toxic dynamic in relationships, especially in empaths in their childhood, it conditions you to be acutely aware of subtle cues and changes in the emotional atmosphere. I, in human design, personally liken this to your open solar plexus. That triangle on the bottom right of your chart, it is white and open. This naturally happens when you have this innately within you. You're amplifying the emotions in the atmosphere, and they're not always pleasant. So you want to figure out how to get rid of this feeling. So you're honing your ability to navigate relationships, to make sure your parent is happy, or to make sure your partner is happy. And there's this heightened sensitivity, or you could say amplification, to the needs and feelings of others. This sensitivity, while it is a valuable trait and it is your superpower, you also need to learn how to shield yourself up and to learn whose emotions are yours, who, you know, what emotions are yours, and to leave all the other people's emotions out of your aura and to let that be their problem, not yours. And that's a tricky thing, but it takes going to the emotional gym and mind mental awareness to practice that. So this trait can also make empaths vulnerable to manipulation and exploitation. Exploitation, I see it as the open or the white will center, which is a small triangle just up above to the left of this solar plexus I was talking about. And especially by narcissists. So these are the two biggest open centers I see in empaths who have been abused by narcissists open solar plexus, open will center. And narcissists are skilled at manipulating anybody, no matter what your centers look like. Um, and they're skilled at manipulating emotions. They've been doing it since a child to get what they want, deflecting the blame, often targeting empaths for their empathic nature and ability to understand and forgive. I think uh, it was an interesting point Dr. Romney pointed out in a video I was listening to she had with Dr. Les Carter, and she was saying that, you know, empaths do not always consciously, unless they're psychopaths, don't always, un like, target people, like, oh, I'm going to go and ruin their lives, which and I was thinking, well, I must have been interacting with a psychopath because mine admitted at the end that he picked me for this very reason, that I was open, I was a clean slate and I was vulnerable and malleable. So I would say that's definitely, I agree with her, that's more of a psychopathic trait than a, especially even a covert narcissist who just sometimes don't even know that they are a narcissist. And also they don't want to address it and admit that they have things wrong. So they're always pushing off the blame. So all of those little details are a different flavor for each person you're dealing with. So in the narcissist empath dynamic, the narcissist typically assumes the role of the victim or the hero, depending on what's happening in the situation, portraying themselves as the misunderstood or mistreated party. Meanwhile, the empath is cast as the villain responsible for the narcissist's unhappiness or failures. And 
And this is how we become the scapegoat. We take on this responsibility as a heavy burden. We're open to changing. We're open to fixing things when the narcissist plays off that there is nothing wrong with them or they are the victim and they don't know how, they won't say they don't know how to fix it. They will just say, hey, if you do this, then it's fixed. You fix it. And this dynamic can be incredibly damaging, incredibly crazy making. And it could even drive you to your lowest, lowest point where you don't want to continue on, as I personally experienced. It's damaging to the empath's self-esteem. You may have started with a narcissist as confident, you know, uh, a leader really well, and then just being cut down day after day, you know, insult after insult, blame after blame, and you're internalizing all these false narratives that the narcissist has created you are you become a shell of a person you become really worn down so to break free from this toxic dynamic empaths must first recognize and acknowledge the manipulation tactics this is why there's so many videos out there now for you to absorb and episodes and podcast to understand what is narcissist and since i said every narcissist every person has their own flavor of how they manipulate and act it's really interesting that you could be on this journey for a long time and then finally you, you come across a path of somebody's content that just finally clicks. Like, oh my gosh, this has been happening just like this for so long. And this involves these tactics, setting boundaries for yourself. How do you stop this? How do you keep the emotion out of your aura? If you have an open solar plexus, my favorite one is to do the empath aura shield. That is like a daily spiritual hygiene. It cleanses your aura. It shields you up from anything outside of you that tries to penetrate and you set that intention and have your spirit guides around you and say, you know, shield up. This is not coming into my sphere and your light is more powerful than their manipulation darts. Practicing self-care, doing yoga, walking outside, doing things that you love, not always doing things for that other person or people-pleasing. Saying no is a complete sentence that is a quote going around forever, but more and more nowadays, that is a boundary and that is self-care. That's perfectly okay to say. Seeking support from trusted individuals. Maybe that trusted individual is a therapist. It is uh, a mother or a father, or maybe you don't have that, and it is a friend, or it is a counselor, or a mentor, or coach, similar to the field, you know, trauma-informed, narcissistic abuse-informed coach like myself, and professionals, therapists, uh, trauma-informed, narcissist-informed therapists are very, very helpful for you to bounce things off of. Now, it also requires developing a deeper understanding of yourself. This is why I love human design and how it helps us bust out of the lies from the narcissist. All those false narratives they've been placing into you are completely false, and your human design proves it. It shows you exactly how they are lying to you and how that's not correct. Now, healing from the effects of being a scapegoat in a narcissistic relationship, either with family or with your partner, doesn't matter who it is, they will not take the blame and they will find you the scapegoat to take the blame. It's a journey that requires patience, time, self-compassion, and a commitment 
to reclaiming your power and identity. You call your power back to me through all of the spiritual modalities, the healing meditations, the shadow work that we do through the book Empath's Guide to Rising Strong. Understanding who you are, your human design type tells you exactly what type you are. Your profile shares with you that you are more powerful than you know, and it shares with you your personality traits and themes that you really consistently have within you. All of your gates that you have, all of your divine centers, that is talent and a strength that you have within you. Sometimes it can be a bit black and white and bullheaded, and so you need to learn to soften it and embrace the other side. And then you have your white open centers, all those shapes on your body graph that share with you where you've been conditioned ultimately, why are you vulnerable to the narcissist, and then how you can strengthen and decondition yourself from that. So let's get back to the question of why are empaths often blind to narcissists, making them the scapegoat? When you have to, when you, sorry, when you grow up having to pay attention to the narcissist, to behaviors, to mood swings, and anticipate them for your own safety and or comfort, maybe you're safe, but it feels uncomfortable because you're amplifying this in your open solar plexus, it conditions you to be hypervigilant about the moods of everyone around you. So you then become that people pleaser or that taking it on as your own responsibility because you're feeling it in your body and you don't know, is this my emotion or their emotion because you're amplifying it through your open solar plexus. So empaths are often blind to the narcissists, making them the scapegoat due to a few reasons I will go through here. So number one is the empath's compassion. Empaths naturally feel compassion and empathy for others. Now, we all can have empathy. We all have the capability to do so. I know you may think different because narcissists don't have it. If they exercised their emotional intelligence, they could. However, there are some of us who are extra sensitive, and I think that is shows us in our human design chart. Do you have that open spleen, the left triangle on the bottom, open root, that square on the bottom, open solar plexus, triangle on the right, the open will center, those to me are the compassion areas. Those are also the open identity diamond uh, right below your throat. Those are all the centers that I see is if you have open, you are like a sponge. You feel the energies and emotions and of others and you also have compassion for that. And you think that that person doesn't deserve to be sad. You know, you try and help them fix this, feel better. And this can make you more likely to forgive because you see that inner child hurting. You see the pain that they're going through and you have compassion for them. You forgive them. And here's the part. You can forgive, but and you overlook the narcissist's abusive behavior towards you. Yes, you can be mad. Yes, you can be sad. But yelling at you, blaming you, making you the scapegoat, um, abusing you emotionally and manipulating you to take on the full blame. And I don't know why I just keep having to say to take on the full blame, right? To take on that toxic negativity. 
that is abuse. That is not correct. That is not acceptable. And you do not need to tolerate that. So this then, misunderstandings can happen, right? Oh, I'm sorry, I miscommunicated. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess there was a miscommunication, says a narcissist. Not saying I miscommunicated, but the empath naturally immediately says, I, I'm sorry, I miscommunicated. We use a lot of I statements, which is really great for therapy and sharing how we feel. But when we're dealing with this toxic dynamic of narcissists, they don't use I statements. They say it, the, you. They don't take it on. Again, that's just the subconscious, like you are the scapegoat. This is not me. And number two is the desire for harmony. Because of the open solar plexus or that open will center or open spleen the spleen is fear safety immune system like feeling safe empaths often value harmony and peace in their relationships i keep mentioning a solar plexus because that center uh, governs the emotions so you you value harmony you desire harmony because it's really uncomfortable to feel anger sadness depression like the weight of the world a hundred times amplified in your body so you are desiring that peace in your relationship. And you may go to great lengths to avoid conflict. Every time I have to have a conflict with someone I know I'm going to lose with, pit of my stomach happens, which can make them, which can make you more susceptible to manipulation by the narcissist because you're avoiding it. And they're constantly guilting you and thinking, oh, well, she's avoiding it. That means I can get away with it. So then you, they just keep doing what they're doing and you don't confront them about it because you don't want to have that conversation. You don't want to draw that boundary. That's really scary. That's like it's stuck in your throat. You can't get it out. But they're using that. They're using your weakness and your fear and they're guilting and blaming you for everything to control the situation and to not take responsibility and change. Ultimately, that's what they want. They don't want to change, so... <laughs> Ultimately, they want to take control and shove everything off on you and be like, I don't need to change. I'm fine. Number three is they focus on others. You empath, you tend to focus on others more about their feelings, their needs. Everything goes first before you. And this can lead to you prioritizing the narcissist's perspective, your head center if it's open, and feelings, the open solar plexus over your own feelings making it extremely hard for you to recognize when you are being scapegoated because essentially you're scapegoating yourself you're like oh yeah i did it like you're conditioned immediately to be like oh yeah it's my fault oh yeah i shouldn't have said that oh yeah i shouldn't have done that how about oh yeah they shouldn't have reacted like that like you can have your voice you can have your truth and you can have the right to feel whatever you're feeling now, the fourth one is narcissists are skilled at emotional manipulation, as we all know. Hopefully, we've all been learning about this and understanding how skilled they are. And they can use tactics such as gaslighting. Gaslighting is essentially rewriting history and then adamantly speaking their new truth to you and making you feel crazy, like denying what actually happened to you to your face. No, that didn't happen. I didn't say that. When if you had it recorded, you could play it back and say, yeah, actually you did. And it's right here. 
and they will still adamantly gaslight you and be like, nope, that's not what happened. Um, they also project the projection of this is my, you know, they do something wrong and then they push it off onto you. It's like, no, well, you did this and you made me feel this when you did that. And how could you versus actually saying, I'm feeling this. I did this. I'm sorry. They project all onto you all the time and you they make you doubt your own perceptions of reality. This can create confusion, can make it difficult for you to see the narcissist's true intentions, to see the truth at all, and to gain any clarity in the situation. So this leads to self-doubt. Number five, empaths struggle with self-doubt and low self-esteem due to believing the lies and the narrative of, of the narcissist, believing the gaslighting, believing the um, projections, the false lies, the, I can't believe you did this. You deserve this. This is insane. Like, you made me feel this. And, oh, my gosh, like, all the things, right? I can't believe you would even question that. I work so hard for the family. I'm up all night doing this or that or whatever they're telling you. And you're doubting yourself. You're doubting that you should have even spoken up about how you feel. It makes it easier for you, empath, when you're doubting yourself to believe the negative narratives created by the narcissist because they are very confident and strong in their narratives. And you may, and I know you are already not may, you internalize the blame. You second doubt yourself. That's why you reach out and try and apologize. And then they use you and abuse you even more because you're internalizing the blame. And you're like, oh, I should have been a better person. I should have been more compassionate. I should have been this. I should have been that. And those are all just like, crazy loops that the narcissist keeps you in, that control. So you may believe that they are indeed, you may believe that you are indeed responsible for the problems in the relationship. But I'm just here to tell you that you're not. Relationship is a two-way street. Both people need to admit that they are contributing and making each other feel hurt. And the narcissist, true NPD, will not admit that. And this is why we're going through gaslighting, projection, scapegoating, like this is part of it. They, they don't. Empath optimism, I think, also has a role in becoming the scapegoat. You're so optimistic. You are Poppy uh, from the Trolls movie. You see life through the rose-colored glasses, just as I do. <clears throat> and you see the best in people. And you believe that others are capable of change. This optimism can lead us to hold on to hope that the narcissist will change back to what they did when they first love bombed you at the beginning of the relationship. And then the narcissist will dangle that carrot in front of you. And even in the face of repeated evidence to the contrary, you will believe it. And the final reason that empaths become the scapegoat of the narcissist is that empaths, if unaware, if especially have been raised in a family to be conditioned so, and uh, have this optimistic outlook and are naive, we uh, empaths can lack awareness until we wake up. We simply are unaware of the dynamics of narcissistic abuse, which I'm so grateful there's so much content out here to help you. You can search so toxic relationship you can search emotional abuse and then narcissists will come up and you'll be able to search and understand the dynamics of narcissistic abuse 
and how it manifests in relationships, how it looks. And you can identify and do like a checklist, like this sounds really familiar. I think this is happening to me or this sounds spot on. And you become more aware. So when you're asleep to this and you haven't experienced your spiritual awakening, without awareness, you think that these relationships are normal. This is how you're supposed to interact with your loved one. This is just how love is. This is your reality. Uh, they're a good person. They just need help or I need to help fix them this way or all the things, all the excuses you make up to stay, which I did for many, many, many years. I kept seeing the good in and I kept lacking awareness that I was being abused, even though everyone on the outside in my life was saying so. He defamed their characters so much so that I believed him and not them because I was bonded to him. So you may not recognize the signs at first, and that's okay. We all have our own journey and experience to live through, but one day you will. One day you will see that you are being the scapegoat of your family. One day you will see that you are being the the receiver of all of the faults and blame of your romantic relationship with your partner, and you'll be done taking that on. You'll be done. We all have a breaking point. It doesn't go on forever, and that will be your own personal journey. And that's what I hope and pray for you is that your journey is shorter now as we are all sharing this information. We are all empaths rising up together and the more you gain information about yourself, that also helps you. Your astrology chart, your human design, who you are. Overall, your empathic traits will be able to shine out. You'll still be able to have compassion and empathy for healthy people. You can focus that energy on the correct person in your life, the correct people in your life, and stop focusing on the darkness that is pulling you down in the deep vortex. So real family are those that build you up and never discard or destroy you. A real lover is someone who holds space for you and builds you up and does not abuse you, discard you, or destroy you. So let's just briefly talk about how do we heal from scapegoating. Healing from being the scapegoat in a relationship, especially with a narcissist, is a complex and challenging process. So here are some of the steps that I recommend. Of course, you can purchase my book, Empath Rising with Raven Scott, as well as Empath and the Narcissist. This is a profound healing guide containing 20 plus exercises, inner child guided meditation, EFT tapping, astrology, the houses, the third house, meeting your healed ancestor meditation, empath protection guide, and so much more meditations in this one. And then you can heal through empath's guide to rising strong to reclaim your power back. There are moon rituals in one section, healing meditations in the next, journal prompts throughout, and then the whole part four is human design demystified. So I just explain your human design chart. What are all the main major points mean as well as all of the gates. And there's like, I don't know, a hundred affirmations in here or so. So each gate has an affirmation after each, each like mini section, there's an affirmation. 
to empower you and to help you heal and rise up, dear empath. So you can grab that on Amazon. And you really need to recognize the patterns. Become aware, educate yourself so that the narcissist cannot manipulate you anymore. Become skilled at spotting the pattern and do not accept their finger pointing and projection. Setting boundaries is so important. You need to set boundaries. Even if it drops your stomach, you just need to say, I'm just going to channel, you know, my inner strength and say, no, I don't think so. It doesn't have to be this full explanation. Do not say no because la, 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 because they will use that extra information at the end to sell you on that that was a poor boundary. So all you have to say is no, I don't think so. No is a complete answer. Remember? Preaching it to myself as well as you. So you can reduce contact with somebody in your life who maybe, let's say, is a family member and they are um, always making you a scapegoat or, yeah, making you feel like the issues that keep recurring are your fault. You could also go no contact. Of course, I highly recommend this for situations where you don't have children, you don't have any property or finances intact anymore, and you can have a clean separation and split. Perfect. Do so. Go no contact. Stay no contact. And don't let all those flying monkeys also keep watch over you for them. Go no contact with those two, which would be their family members, maybe friends. Yes, we do lose friends in separating from these relationships. But you'll make new ones, healthier ones that won't be spying on you for the narcissist. So that is really important to do. That's also a, a personal boundary that you create for yourself. And it gives you your best effort to repair. And in the end, the narcissist doesn't want to change. They don't want to change their behavior. And they hurt you over and over. So why keep opening up that door to let them hurt you? Envision the narcissist like a snake. It's in a snake's nature when they react to bite you. And if they have venom, you die. So there's really no need to open the door to let the snake in when you know that they're going to bite you. That's in their nature. I love, well, I'm deathly afraid of snakes. However, I love snakes and I'm fascinated with them as part of nature. But they have a, they have a side to them, right? They have that true nature. Of course, the next one is to build your self-esteem. Work on, that's why I put so many affirmations in this book. Work on your self-esteem, affirmations, therapy, self-care practices, honestly, even working out, doing yoga, like just having those personal trainers in your ear through like an app or physically, they are so empowering. And then through the movement, you find empowerment within your body and yourself. So continue to love yourself and become your own parent. That's why I have the inner child meditation healing in both books because it's so powerful. It is a key meditation for you to heal and repair yourself, to be, reparent yourself and become that confident person. So you don't need to have that latch onto your toxic family members. Nurturing your inner child's healing. Seek support, professional support. You can always gain professional support through betterhelp.com forward slash empath. And then practice self-compassion. Be kind and gentle with yourself. 
we're so kind and gentle to everyone else. We forget to do it for ourselves. Don't be so hard on yourself. Be gentle, compassionate, and patient. So what do I do when I need to do that? Because I have the same problem that I need, I'm telling you. Is I take a breather and I focus on all of the things that I've been doing really well. I celebrate the little wins. I celebrate myself and say, I am doing really good. I am trying my very best and look what I've accomplished and show yourself what have you accomplished breathe in deep I also find that I love to cuddle with just a loving compassionate being like my children around me or if you have a puppy dog or cat they are really great at showing us affection they are phenomenal focus on your own needs shift your needs focus from self-sacrificing for everyone else to filling your cup up, then to serve everyone. It's just a tiny bit of a shift. And prioritizing your taste buds, prioritizing your time, even how you bathe, do as much luxuriousness as possible to focus on your own needs so that you can be prepared and your cup full for especially the children in your life. Because they will need it. They'll need extra patience when they come back from the co-parented, you know, the the half-time with the narcissist, they need that strong foundation because they're dysregulated from the time with that narcissist. Educate yourself, learn more through this podcast and all of the narcissist education awareness uh, playlist on the YouTube channel. Educate yourself. There are so many guests that I have on as well who have their own podcast that is a great reference to listen to understand the tactics, understand that their manipulation is a game. And so you need to know the game so that you don't fall trap or fall prey to their game. And I've already talked about that. Consider therapy. This is an important thing. And even making major life decisions. I talk about using your inner authority and your human design to make major life decisions. I also have consulted a therapist for a major life decision, which I highly recommend. They're a great neutral spot for you. So it's really important to remember to <clears throat> that the healing process takes time. And it's okay to seek help. It's okay to take time. You're going to fail forward. But you will get back up again. And you will be stronger and transformed for it. I find that once you realize that you are being the scapegoat, You stop being the scapegoat because you draw those boundaries and you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. That is not serving me. That's not not serving my children. And you start to cut out the cancer and the toxic energy from your life. (sighs) Thank you for listening. I hope this was helpful and informative. And if you are feeling triggered constantly by the narcissist, I want to offer you a free workshop that I've created that somatically moves out this toxic energy in your body. It is the Somatic Healing Workshop, and you can reclaim your power back over your body and your mind through this. So there's the highlights of this workshop are some shaking and some body movements. We have a saging ritual that I help clear out and cut some ties, cleanse that negative energy out of your body. We do a meditation to ground and connect you, and... Just an, it's such an empowering spiritual practice and workshop that I'm offering to you for free to access it. And then after you've watched it, if you feel so inclined and you can, 
please leave a tip towards that workshop and the, the work I did to put it together. Thank you so much for tuning in to this video and to the end of this podcast episode uh, and being a member here in the community. I'd love to have you in the community. Um, click the link in the bio to join our newsletter. And when you do, you can either grab your the free somatic workshop, you can grab your free human design chart. If you're wondering, is my solar plexus white or colored in? You can grab that for free. I'll send you a summary. And make sure to share this podcast with a friend. Share the love and share the light. You can be that direct contribution to helping me grow this podcast. And I truly believe there will be a mass rising. We are feeling with Pluto and Aquarius this stirring, this explosion coming, and this mass rising of all of us empaths rising up together strong and in our light, um, which will be the 2027, the year of the Incarnation Cross. It'll be interesting to observe and witness that. But I really have an exciting announcement to make. If you wish to finally get clarity and break free and emerge from the ashes like the magnificent red phoenix bird, then this is your opportunity. I have four spots open for one-on-one -on -one narc abuse recovery coaching, and we are utilizing your astrology chart, your tarot, and your human design chart, and all the spiritual healing that I have acquired to gain clarity for you to be healed and empowered to call your power back. So schedule a free discovery call in the link in the show notes today. Mm -hmm. I love the reviews pouring in. I just wanted to read this one to you. Just like Raven's first book, written specifically for her fellow empaths, trying to overcome their experiences with narcissistic abuse, her equating the story of goddess Anana's descent into hell and then the death of each of our own egos is amazing. To bring all these complex and only somewhat related disciplines together seamlessly takes an incredible talent, which Raven absolutely has. So thank you so much for that review and leave your review today of the Empath's Guide to Rising Strong Human Design Guidebook on Amazon today. You can grab your free Kindle or your beautiful paperback copy. And when you review and tell me it's done, I will gift you a complimentary 30-minute healing coaching session. And also be sure to listen to my original book, Empath and a Narcissist on Audible or you can grab your paperback on Amazon. The link is in the show notes. It is a profound exploration of my journey in healing, providing you with tools for healing, as well as including EFT tapping. The link to all of these is in the show notes. Thank you so, so much. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. It's tragic, we're not all elastic But maybe there's magic Believe you could have it And I know of sadness The anxious